What a wonderful story, guys. Benny, could you help me move this and move that? I could probably do this by myself, but let's, can we move the cradle over here? Uh, not the cradle. What's it called? A manger. Awesome. Let's carry the manger together and just put it right in the front. Hey, that was such a cool story. And what I want to do now, guys, is I want us to focus on the manger. There are lots of wonderful parts of the Christmas story. There are the wise men, there are the shepherds, there are angels. But what I want to do together with all of the adults and all of the kids right now is come up to the manger. You can stay in your seats, come up to the manger in your hearts and try to think about what do you see when you look in the manger? Have you ever had an experience where someone big came down to your level? There's one experience I had when I was in about year one. And I remember in year one, uh, two very important things about my life. One is I was very scared of the big kids in year six. Who's in year six? Is anyone here in year six? I know someone's in year six. One of my, yeah, hello. You guys are so scary. You are massive to the kindergartners and the year one kids. I remember looking at those year six kids and thinking, I just hope not to get in their way. Because they're like, do you remember that scene from The Hobbit where they're like um, rock giants throwing rocks at each other? That's what the year six kids feel like to a year one or a kindergarten kid. It's like, these guys are giants. I just hope I don't get in their way as they're boisterous and they're loud and they're pushing each other. They are so scary. So I was in year one. That was one thing about year one. I was very scared of the year six kids. Another thing is I was very lactose intolerant. If I had any milk or cheese, my tummy would churn, it would get all tight, I just couldn't handle it. It was a horrible experience. But I also really liked strawberry milk. How good is strawberry milk? I was going to bring a a jug of strawberry milk just to show you, because it's just so good. Who likes strawberry milk? So I really liked strawberry milk. And I thought, this time from the canteen, what I'm going to do, I'm going to buy some strawberry milk, and this time it might be okay. Do you know people who have got a food intolerance? You're constantly wondering, maybe it will be okay now. Maybe this time it will be okay. And it's never okay. So I sat there, I ate my lunch, I drank my strawberry milk, and everything was okay. I love that strawberry milk. It was a lovely sunny day. Everything was perfect. The bell rang because it's time to go back to class. And about that time, I'm sitting there alone on one of those, those wooden slatted tables in the school playground, And I realized that something inside of me is very, very wrong. And within a few seconds, the strawberry milk was all over the table. I won't tell you how it got there because that's a bit gross. But it was all over the table. And I sat there and I was in pain from that experience. But I was also just really worried. I think I almost started to cry because I didn't know how to clean all this up. There was this massive mess all over the table. And I was alone in the playground. Everyone else has already gone back to class. And I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, what do I do? I'm going to get in trouble for being back at class late. I'm feeling sick. And there's all of this strawberry milk everywhere. And then an angel came. It wasn't the angel Gabriel. It wasn't one of the angels in the sky. It was a girl from year six. And I just heard her. I heard her angelic voice. I heard her say from a little bit far away while I'm looking down at this mess, oh, you poor thing, let me come and help you clean that up. And this year six girl walked over and she saw the mess. She said, I'll run to the toilets and grab some paper towel. She ran there. I hadn't thought of that. As soon as she said it, I thought, that's a great idea. Hadn't thought of that. 
she ran, grabbed a big thing of paper towel and came back and mopped up my regurgitated strawberry milk with her hands. And I remember the moment when she threw that big paper towel into the bin and it was all done. And she said, you can go back to class now. Now that was more than 30 years ago for me. And I remember it like it was yesterday because someone big, someone important, someone higher up than me came down to my level and helped me. And she didn't just change the strawberry milk situation. She changed me. The next day, I wasn't as scared of the year six kids anymore. As I walked around the playground, I knew that there was someone who had my back. I would see her in the playground and know that I'm okay. Because someone big and powerful has come down to my level and helped me out. And in doing so, has changed my status. I'm not helpless anymore. I'm helped. Christmas is a story of someone big coming down to our level. It's a story of God becoming human to save us. I want to look at a passage in John chapter 1 this morning. So it's going to come up on the screen. I'll read it out. And I want to just focus on a few elements of this story. Um, For those who don't know this passage, when it says the word, it's talking about Jesus before he became a baby, before he came into the world. So Jesus, as God's son in eternity past, is referred to here as the word. So I'm going to read it out. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I want to focus on a few key words in that passage. Firstly, the word. Why is Jesus called the word? Well, John straight away tells us that through him all things were made. We know at the start of the Bible that God created with his word. He said, let there be light. He said, let there be trees. He said, let us make man. Every time God spoke a word, something was created. And here John is saying that Jesus, the son, the second person of the Trinity, is that word. And through him all things were made. So much so that nothing was made apart from him. Everything was made through him. Jesus, in eternity past, is God, and all things were made through him. The chair you're sitting on was made through him. The cells in your body were made through him. Your blood and your bones were made through him. The house you live in was made through him. The presents you got this morning were made through him. So I want to focus on the word. I want to focus on made. I also want to focus on the word there, in him was life. In him was life. If everything was made through him, It makes sense that in him was life. He's the source of all life. The fact that you're breathing right now, the fact that your cells are reproducing, all animal life, 
all plant life, all of it is not just, not just comes from him, but it's actually in him. Somehow he's the context, the container for all life. Every living thing has its life because of God and specifically because of the word, the pre-incarnate Christ. And we'll get to what that means in a second. And the third thing I wanted to say is just the word light. This in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. Now, light matters to people who can see. If you're blind, light is of no use to you. So light is what gives sight. Jesus is the one who enables you to see. He's the one who enables you to see beauty. He's the one who enables you to see your children and your grandchildren. He's he's the one who enables you not just to see physically, but to see spiritually, to understand things as they really are. All of this is rooted in who Jesus is before he became a baby, before he came to earth. So I want to just, just focus on the fact that John starts with a very high view of Jesus, that he is God, that he is in eternity past. He's uncreated. All creation comes from him. All life comes from him. All light comes from him. Everything comes from Jesus. He's the first principle. He's the one at the start. He's the one through whom all things were made. And then we get this radical idea that he became flesh. The light that gives light to all mankind was coming into the world. That in the manger, we actually have God. And this phrase here, the word became flesh, in Latin sounds like this, verbum caro factum est. And the the word caro there means flesh. Uh, The genitive form is carnis in Latin, caro or carnis. And we get our word incarnation from that. Um, you, you also know some other derivatives of that Latin word that means flesh. Um, if you're a carnivore, then you're eating a flesh. Um, if you like eating chili con carne, that's chili with flesh. Um, uh, or if you have carnal thoughts, they're fleshly thoughts and you need to deal with them. Um, so incarnation is Jesus becoming flesh. And that's what, it's God becoming flesh, the word becoming flesh. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. That's this whirlwind of of radical truth, of wonder and mystery that we need to be caught up in. That's our task at Christmas time, is to be caught up in this whirlwind that God became flesh. How amazing is that? What does that do in your life? How does that change you when you come up to the manger and look in? What do you see? I want to say a few things that that does for us. When, when God becomes flesh, when the word becomes flesh, I, 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 want to, I want to say this. It lifts us up. When the word became flesh, when God became, took on material form, he actually lifts up all matter. Because God, the creator, is willing to become material. Uh, he didn't wait till now when there is an online digital world to become an avatar in you know, Minecraft or something. He didn't, he, he didn't become digital. He became material. He took on physical form. Jesus had knuckles. He had cartilage. He had bones. 
He became material. And what that means is he elevates all material, all matter, every atom in the cosmos, every atom in the universe gets electrified with the reality that the creator is willing to step down and become material form, become like us in this world. And that speaks against escapism. Escapism is rooted in this idea that this world is kind of too far gone. That we don't need this physical world anymore. We need to escape it and have kind of, you know, a spiritual experience like, like Buddhism. Or we need to escape it and have an intellectual experience like Greek philosophy. Or we need to escape it and have a digital experience like all of us who are addicted to our screens. But Jesus didn't become digital. He became physical. He took on this world. The matter that you are, that you're feeling, the chairs that you're sitting on, the air that you're breathing. Yesterday, I was at the beach and I was swimming in the waves and I was looking at this saying, wow, Jesus, you took on this material world. And when you did, a spark ignited throughout the cosmos because God is saying, I am willing to redeem this world. It's not too far gone. Some people think that we need to escape the world. The incarnation is the opposite of escapism. It's God coming into our world. Some people think this world is too far gone. But I disagree, and I've got proof, and the proof is in the manger. Some people think that people are too far gone as well. I want to focus not just on the fact that Jesus took on material form, but when God became flesh, he took on the human species, like you and like me. I heard there's a group in America, of all places, where um, you can uh, join a voluntary human extinction program. Uh, Because they think, you know, humans are too bad for the environment, so uh, we should just all really make ourselves go extinct. And uh, the way you make ourselves go extinct is just everyone just agrees to not have any more children. Uh, So they think humans are too far gone. And a lot of people think that as well. If you talk to people, they've got a very negative view of humanity. And they think that, you know, people are just too tainted, too far gone. There's nothing we can really do with people anymore. But I disagree. And I've got proof. And the proof is in the manger. When God became flesh, he took on human form. There's a great church father, Gregory of Nazianzus, who says that that which is not assumed is not healed. What he means by that is that when God takes on human form, takes on human nature, he then is able to heal human nature. Because what we need in our brokenness is union with God. We need to be united with him. We need fellowship with him. And the first step takes place in the manger where God comes down to our level like that year six angel coming down to mine. And he unites himself with us by taking on our nature, your nature, my nature. He became human. He didn't become a lion. He didn't become a duck. He took on your nature, your nature, like you, a human being. Jesus walked around. He ate. He slept. It's God in the flesh. Can you believe it? What do you see when you come and look in the manger? Thirdly, I want to focus on how he became a child. You know, there are people today who think that uh, you're only valuable in so much as you're useful. Right? That's called utilitarianism. And so, you know, little children aren't very useful. Some older people aren't very useful. Some disabled people aren't very useful. And there's a, there's a philosophy, a view today that if, if you're not useful, then you're not valuable. I disagree. 
And I've got proof. And the proof is in the manger. Do you know human babies are the most useless of all children born in the world? Deers can like walk in an hour or something when they're born. Kangaroos can like, you know, climb to the pouch. Like, can you climb when you're a baby? All, all human babies are able to do is make a noise and make a mess. They're completely useless in that sense. And what God does, the creator of the universe, is take on the form of a human child. He could have, been, he could have come into the world as a kind of Gandalf figure, couldn't he? You know, a big kind of wizard type with a big hat and, you know, being very useful. But he chose to become a child to show us that God has his eye on every one of us, that all of us are on his radar, all of us are in his sights, that all of us matter to him. See, when love comes down, it lifts you up. And he came down as a child. See, some people think that you're only as valuable as you are useful, but I disagree. And I've got proof. And the proof is in the manger. And lastly, I want to focus on how Jesus, how God came into the world as a poor human child. There was no room for him at the inn. Do you know who there's always room for at the inn? Rich people. Rich people always find a room. Connected people. Powerful people. They always have a room. Jesus didn't come as a Roman emperor. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? At least for the Romans. Hey, we've got the Son of God. He's our emperor. They actually said that. Augustus Caesar called himself the Son of God. They were trying to do that whole narrative. Jesus came in the backwaters of the Roman Empire to a family that were politically oppressed, who had to do this incredible journey while Mary was heavily pregnant because of some census that was ordered by some Roman official in a faraway land. And then when they got to their destination, there was no room for them. There would have been room for many others, but not for them. And she gave birth outside in a stable somewhere. Somewhere that Jesus was laid, the Son of God laid in a feeding trough for animals. And I think that that says to us that God doesn't just have the rich and powerful in mind. That God, when he looks at humanity, he cares for every one of us. No matter your socioeconomic status, no matter how useful you are, every human, every person is in his sight. Some people think that only the rich and powerful matter, but I disagree. And I've got proof. And the proof is in the manger. And so we have to come to a, a, a question for you and for me. And that is why. Why would God do this? Is the Christmas story true? Is it true? Could it be true? That the creator of the universe would step down into our world and be born as a poor human child? What do you see when you look in the manger? Could it be true? And if it's true, then why? Why would God do that? Let's be honest. Let's ask ourselves the honest question. Why would God do that? Well, to answer that, I need a volunteer, preferably a child, not one of my children. That will look a little bit too corrupt. Um, <laughs> any other children? Do you want to come? No, she doesn't want to come up. Anyone else? Yep, you have, I can, no, no, I don't think he's got his hand up. I think he's just playing with a bell. Um, yes, Luciella, you come up. There we go. <laughs> come up. And what I'd like you to do is dig around in the manger a little bit, see if you can find anything that might tell us why. 
Why would God become flesh? Found something? Oh, what's that? You don't know? Maybe an envelope? Yeah, okay. Well, you can open it. What does it say? Show it to everyone. It says love. Because when we look in the manger, thanks, Lucille, that's all I needed. When we look in the manger, we have a perfect expression of the love of God. John tells us why Jesus came to earth. In John 3.16, just two chapters later, when he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That could be the only reason, couldn't it? That God would take on human flesh, become like you, become like me, and lift us all up. So much so that in that passage we just saw, John says that if you receive him and believe in his name, you get the right to become a child of God. Isn't that amazing? The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the children of men could become the children of God. Union with God, God coming down to us. The big one stepping down to our level to help us out, to mop up our mess and to be with us. Like the words of that beautiful Christmas carol. The Son of God lay thus, and the King of Kings, the King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger through all our trials, born to be our friend. Behold your King before him lowly bend. Friends, I want to ask you, what do you see when you look in the manger? Because if you believe in the Christmas story, if you believe that this really is the Son of God, then just by looking in the manger and seeing him for who he is, you too become a son or daughter of God. That's all that's required to receive him, to believe in his name. So look in the manger this Christmas and receive him for who he is. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you for the wonder of knowing you, the wonder of the incarnation. We thank you for the joy that we have because Jesus, you came into our lives. You came, you took on flesh, you became like us and you lifted us up. You showed us that, that we're in your sights, that you care about us, that you love us enough to go to that incredible length, to lower yourself so much that you would become just like one of us. Lord Jesus, we pray that this reality of the incarnation would be like a whirlwind in our hearts, that we'd be captivated by it, that you, the Son of God, became the Son of Man, so that we, the children of men, would become the children of God. Amen.